and they asked the U.S. to hold about 175,000 prisoners. Not a problem. You could throw them into the Superdome in Louisiana. It'd be fine. I want to let you know that because of the way I take notes during the episode, I just wrote that the title of the episode is Tallahassee Prisoners of War in the U.S. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, if you go to the Florida State University, you are entitled to compensation because you are technically a prisoner of war being held in Tallahassee. Welcome back to the Trilateral Troika. This is Steve, along with the other Steve. Nah, dog. Nah. And Ryan. Just piggybacking on what we were just talking about two seconds ago. Um, just which, to end which, on that. Which thing? Earwax well, or vaccine the, the, injury? The, the, the Tallahassee thing? Uh, I wouldn't live in Tallahassee for any amount of money. So if you're telling me to live there for minimum wage, you got me so fucked up. <laughs> they would have to pay me to live in Tallahassee. Just saying. Just... Just that that salary was also like twenty thousand dollars less than like a county job. That's insane. That's that's insane, man. I would never. I would never. That I, I almost would say that that kind of a job offer to say, hey, I want you to uproot yourself and relocate for <laughs> for thirty thousand dollars a year to uh, Tallahassee. Um, <laughs> that's that's insulting. Like that is. It's just insulting. Speaking about insulting, <laughs> <laughs> I think Steve went to take a shit. <laughs> oh no! You know what? I muted my mic with my with my big ab muscles. Yeah, it's, he was he was too <laughs> busy flexing, and then he just accidentally hit the button. <laughs> I did. I got. A, I have an inline mic mute, so I accidentally muted it. Job, <sighs> strong work, professional over here. I'm tremendous. Super good at it. I do that sometimes at work. I haven't done it recently because I got a new headset, but I used to have one of those Logitech headsets that had that big button on yeah, the on the cord that, that you would uh, you would press to mute it. But the thing, like, you would accidentally hit it and not realize it because you're not speaking on or listening or speaking on the, the headset. <laughs> Wait, the person hangs up on you. <laughs> <laughs> you're just like, hello. 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 Um, but today um, we're... Yes, Ryan. Oh, I was gonna say. Speaking of getting muted, <laughs> the way he said it was like a school teacher. Yes, Fuck, Ryan. I, I feel like we're back at the first ten episodes again. He's like getting, getting, getting spicy again. All right, I'm sorry. Well, he had to get his <laughs> goddamn windshield replaced again. That's annoying. I, I didn't. I didn't replace it. I bought one of those kits to fill in the the because it was a small crack in the windshield, and oh. I made the crack bigger. And it is so hot outside. That the uh, the resin in the in the tube that you're supposed to press into the the cracks or whatever it like hardened before I could really like put it uh, like like smush it in. Oh mm-hmm. no! Well, because then the thing it says like make sure the windshield is at least like seventy degrees. It won't work unless it's that hot. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's beyond seventy degrees right now. <laughs> well, dog, you live in Florida. It's not seventy degrees unless it's like midnight. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of midnight, it, it's all good though, man. Like the the, the Bentley's going to be okay. Just, yep. you could you could you could take the Porsche for the rest of the week until you can get the Bentley's windshield yeah. fixed. Your, your trilateral Troika uh, kickbacks are coming any day now. Yes, <laughs> yeah. 
our not our non-existent Patreon is reaching uh, Chapo Trap House levels. I'm working on a deal right now with uh, Smuckers Jelly. <laughs> oh uh, God! <laughs> <laughs> we gotta get this in before Smuckers is canceled. It's we can be canceled. Um, so today we're going to be talking about uh, German prisoners of war in the United States during World War II. Nice, interesting. Um, did we ship them back over here? Well, we'll say uh, what? <laughs> no, like I mean, like okay, so no, none of World War II was fought like on our soil. Well, well objectively yes. Hawaii, but like, well, what about Alaska though? Didn't the Germans like invade there at one point? No, it was the that was the Japanese and they too. they they. <laughs> They pulled out before, like, the Americans actually, like, got to them. That's why they have and they, problems with uh, population, yeah. They there was, like, a very, there's, like, a very brief battle, but, like, the first, the first sort of, like, American, like, foray into, like, combating the invasion was that they, like, fired on their own men because, like, it was so foggy and, like, conditions were so bad in the Aleutian Islands that they were just firing on their own men. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. Um, But um, so first, as the United States entered into World War II, the government of Great Britain uh, requested that the United States help them by housing um, uh, access uh, prisoners of war that they had due to there being, you know, a housing shortage in Britain at that time. Um, And they asked the U.S. to hold about 175,000 prisoners. Not a problem. You could throw them into the Superdome in Louisiana. It'd be fine. I want to let you know that because of the way I take notes during the episode, I just wrote that the title of the episode is Tallahassee Prisoners of War in the U.S. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, if you go to the Florida State University, you are entitled to compensation because you are technically a prisoner of war being held in Tallahassee. They've they've already been brainwashed, though, Ryan. They'll They'll just start doing the chant and the tomahawk chop at you. That's called Stockholm Syndrome. <laughs> we'll do an episode on that in the future. <laughs> oh, man. The United States agreed to take these prisoners, even though they were not entirely prepared to take them. Um, the United States military itself had a limited um, uh, had limited experience dealing with a prisoner of war population in, in recent history. Um, during the First World War, they had a very limited uh, POW population. Um, And they were uh, not really prepared for a lot of the logistical concerns, such as food, clothing, and housing for the prisoners. Seems like they did okay with the Japanese internment camps. There was also... um, (laughs) Oh! um, Well, you see, they were actually legally required to, to, like, take care of these German prisoners of war, unlike the... uh, the U.S. nationals that they abused, and, and we'll talk a little bit about how um, these German POWs were actually treated better than American citizens in some cases. Um, what? So, pretty much most of the people who spoke um, Americans who were like fluent in German were generally engaged in the war effort, um, and so they they um, they they feared that um, that having these um, these Germans on U.S. soil. Um, could create a uh, security problem and also um, raise um, sort of like fear among the civilians, you know, that these these Germans are around and like nobody can really like uh, watch them properly. Um, just, just xenophobia, just at its core. I mean, that's well, how well, I feel about the Germans today, you know? Well, well it's also... Yeah, I mean, yes, but now, now well, because we know. Wait, you say we know better now. You, <laughs> you say it's like xenophobia, but these are people that like we're actively at war with. Like th- these are enemy soldiers, and, and they're just right. parking them in your backyard, so of course you're going to oh, be. 
<laughs> I thought you meant like your neighbor Hans. No, I'm was, saying like, that fifth your, generation. Your, your neighbor just happened to speak German. Okay. Your, your neighbor Hans is is off like doing something else elsewhere, so he can't like watch the Germans to make sure they're not like planning. <laughs> just fucking German babysitter never showed up. Oh can't God. go to dinner. Um, just, despite. <laughs> It's been four you hours. You didn't pay me enough to show up. It's been <laughs> four trying, hours, Brenda. I'm trying to go down to Pete's State, Pete, Pete's Steak Inn, but we can't because uh, Klaus never showed up to babysit the POWs. <laughs> We're gonna lose our reservation at the Sizzler. <laughs> the Ponderosa, you mean? Uh, uh, despite what uh, German propaganda had stated that how the Allies were going to uh, treat the uh, the German prisoners. Um, the German prisoners quickly found out after being captured by the British uh, or Americans that um, that a, a lot of um, a, a lot of it was not like what they said it was going to be. It was actually better conditions um, than they um, than they were treated with in the military or at home. Um, their their largest fears though were being captured uh, by the Soviets. Um, so being captured by the Americans uh, was definitely uh, a more desirable um, fate for them. Um, this is mainly because the the Soviet Union had never signed the uh, the Geneva Convention on the Treatment of Prisoners in in 1929, so the Germans were not um, treating German uh, Soviet prisoners of war uh, with any kind of like decency, and we're using them as like sl- <laughs> we're using them as like slave labor. I was gonna so, say that's like a light way to put it. You know, if they signed the Geneva Convention, they wouldn't even be able to allow to interact with prisoners of war because everything was violence <laughs> and like slavery and rape. It was fucking ridiculous. And, and they knew that um, that the the Soviets would have definitely like probably treated them like the propaganda said it would. Um, right. So the prisoners themselves were usually shipped on what were called liberty ships, where the uh, which were the cargo ships that were specifically made for the war effort, which were sort of these like jury rigged excuse me, mass um, sort of like uh, cargo vessels, um, and they would bring back as many as 30,000 uh, prisoners of war per month um, to New York or Virginia, shit. where they would be processed and distributed to different uh, camps throughout the country. 30,000 people on a cargo ship, a repurposed well, cargo, well, cargo ship. That's a lot ships. of sauerkrauts. Cargo ships, <laughs> not, not on a single ship. Oh, I thought you meant Is the term sauerkrauts one. racist? I want no. these sauerkrauts around here. Yeah, the Germans. You know, the Germans gave. You get up their my joke, by the way, boys. They're sauerkrauts because they're upset that they lost. You see what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. The joke. Germans gave up their right to be offended Fucking by anything. Assholes. <laughs> um, they're not and, allowed anymore. And, and usually during transport, they also face the risk of being sunk by by their own uh, by their own countrymen, um, as U-boats wow. were targeting these ships as they crossed the the ocean. Wait, like, Did the U-boats know that they were filled with German POWs and they just didn't want them to get captured? Well, yeah, no, they just that they. Happen? Well, these are the same. These are the same cargo ships that are taking like munitions uh-huh. overseas. Right. Like they're not like they're not advertising like, oh hey, we we've got this, and they're not they're not medical ships. So when they see it in the periscope, they're just like, all right, time to time to get to work. Oh, so they're just sinking them indiscriminately. Nice. Yeah. Kill your own people. Nice. Nazis killing Nazis. You love to see it. But um. Uh, Initially, like even uh, once they're on the ships, um, they were treated very well, and they were given um, substantial meals um, while they were while they were traveling. Um, and then when they arrived in America, they were usually transported in Pullman cars, uh, which would carry them to their prison camps. Um, What's a Pullman car? 
it's it's like the it's like a standard like if you were a passenger in like a railroad car. Like okay, so they're transported by train. Yeah, they're transported by train. There we go. There we to, go. To the camps. No reason, and, to church, no reason to church it up. <laughs> well, it's like a nice travel car. They're not being thrown into like box cars. Oh, okay, right. They're not being. They're, they're essentially unquote, transported traveling. to camps by train. They're they're taking a nice train ride. Yeah, they're when, when they say they were transported by train, it's more like if you were to buy a train ticket, like if you were to ride Amtrak, it would be like the equivalent of like what a passenger would get. In, in terms of like the the service and like it obviously would be better than than what Amtrak is saying, but you get know what I'm saying. Yeah, as opposed to the service that you would get in roughly 1941 as a Jewish person living in Germany. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that. Um, okay. So they uh, and and this is well um, sort of amazed the Germans because like Europeans don't really have any idea how big the United States is, and and also the fact that like the United States itself is like untouched by the war. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fucking European gets from like goes from like North Jersey to South Jersey, and then it's like, so when do we hit Mexico? It's just like, <laughs> well, you're in oh. you're in Cape May. <laughs> oh boy, do we have some stuff to teach you there, Hans? Any day now, we're gonna hit Delaware. <laughs> yeah, have you ever made the drive from Boston to Orlando? It's not a fun drive, son. Uh, oh, that's that's crazy. I I did Trenton, Orlando. I did Boston to Orlando twice. Once I did it straight through, no stops, because we just switched off the people that I was with. Right. Uh, miserable, fucking miserable. Dog. Yeah. If you if you have if you have people to switch off, that's great. I did it in one shot, no sleep. Dude, how many truck stop pills were you on to stay awake? None, man. I, I kept stopping to get coffee, and I'd stretch for a little bit, like 10 minutes, get some gas, and then keep going in a Jeep Cherokee with no air conditioning. It was great. Oh, my God. It just gets worse by the second. That's how you marry your wife right there, by the way. She puts up with that trip, you marry right there. The office of the Provost Marshal General um, supervised the the sort of like um, imprisonment of these German POWs, which um, throughout the war numbered around 425,000. Good Lord. Um, they stayed in uh, 700 camps um, and they man uh, and government guidelines uh, mandated that the, uh, the camps uh, were placed away from urban and industrial areas for security purposes um, in regions with a mild climate to minimize the cost of construction um, and sites where uh, the prisoners could alleviate um, farm labor shortages. Uh, most camps were in the southern or southwestern United States, and they were away from important uh, war factories. Um, but in in total, uh, forty six of forty eight uh, states hosted camps. God, okay. Um, uh, was there was there like a could the states refuse? Could the states be like, no, fuck you, you're not going to camp here? Well, I think I think some states did refuse, but uh, a, a number Britain. just pulled a Britain. Yeah, we know we're in the EU, but you're not bringing any fucking Germans here, all right? <laughs> We ain't doing it. I don't give a fuck. But I, I believe a number of them eventually took it up because they were um, they were cheap labor. Gotcha. As we'll as we'll talk about, um, we don't have an entire list of of every camp um, because some of the camps were small or temporary, um, and they were usually uh, based off of um, larger camps. Um, that like for instance, like a normal military camp, it would just be like an annex to like a regular military camp. Yeah, one of the big camps was uh, Camp Anawana. They still hold it in their hearts. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that. Many Germans hold it in their hearts. I'll tell you what, though. Every time I think about it, it does make me want to fart. 
Get it right, Budneck, or pay the price. <laughs> um, some camps, such as uh, Camp Ruston in Louisiana... They would have donkey lips. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> was, ...was built specifically for uh, prisoners. Um, okay. So, other than other than having a barbed wire around the camps Steve, and watchtowers... I want to go back about three minutes here. You said 430,000? 425,000. <laughs> Jesus! So, I want you to put this in perspective. We know... We know like what kind of casualties the Germans took at places like Stalingrad and stuff like that, right? Now, imagine all their casualties that they took. Plus, they had half a million people that were POWs. Plus, consider there were definitely people in the military who didn't die and were never captured. You have like almost an entire country to the man fighting in this war. That is wild to me. Yep. Even kids towards the end there. Even kids. Well, because because Germany at that time, because remember, it's the it's combined Germany and Austria. They had a population of sixty nine million three hundred thousand. I thought you could say four hundred twenty thousand. Say, dude, if sixty nine million four hundred twenty thousand is just not even funny as a meme right now. Like, the, it's just too on the nose. We're, we're, we don't have an exact number of how many uh, Germans died in the war, but it's um, the the highest number is uh, five million three hundred eighteen thousand. Um, died in, um, died from all causes. Now, are we talking about Germans specifically, or are we talking about like Germans and we'll say and them and their subsidiaries, i.e., countries that they had taken over and then forced conscription? No, these are these are German Germans. Okay. Okay. Um, so is it, Hitler in that count? Because Hitler's Austrian. Well, well, yes, he's they the Ger- <laughs> Germany at that time was also combined with Austria. Austrians okay, so are counted, Austrians uh, okay, are okay, Germans. Okay. Yeah, okay. keep up, bro. He already said that. <laughs> I know he said it, but I don't know. Listen, I don't know how to do their math. <laughs> do this fucking funny freedom math, man. I can't keep up. Common core bullshit. And, and around uh, seven point three million Germans were injured during the war. <laughs> Does that count like sprained hammies and stuff? Yeah, you know, like like Klaus got a uh, got a splinter, you know, while he was uh, well, while he was working on a table. I'll say I'll, I'll say <laughs> I'll say because I got plenty of German or plenty of Jewish friends. Uh, nobody cares. Not enough. Got injured. Keep moving. <laughs> oh my god! Um, so d- despite the uh, d- despite the fact that there was barbed wire and watchtowers around the camps, uh, the camps generally resembled military training camps uh, for U.S. or German soldiers, um, and the the soldiers themselves were uh, segregated uh, by service and rank. Okay. Um, so the Geneva Convention of 1929 uh, for the treatment of prisoners required that the United States provide uh, living quarters for them that was comparable to those that they would have in their own military, which meant that they were allotted um, 40 square feet uh, for enlisted men and 100, uh, 120 square feet uh, for officers. Okay. Um, if prisoners had to sleep in tents while their quarters were being constructed, uh, so did their guards. Um, of the... Uh, the three admirals and 40 generals who were eventually in custody, uh, they were sent to Camp Clinton and Camp Shelby in Mississippi, where they were each given their own bungalow with a garden. Mm-hmm. That's a really nice setup. Their own bungalow with a garden? Um, so the Geneva Conventions uh, mandated that the equal of treatment of uh, prisoners also meant that they were to be paid American military wages. Um, so meaning that when they worked on farms or elsewhere... Um, the, if they were um, also paid for their labor, 
um, and uh, that they would have to be paid and the officers could not be compelled to work, meaning that they could tell the the enlisted men, you know, that you're going to go work on this farm. You're going to get paid for it, but you're, you're going to have to go work there. Um, but the officers couldn't be forced to do this. They just got the offer and they could choose to refuse. Yes. Um, so that. as Make them work. As so, <laughs> what the fuck is this? We're giving the yeah, fuck you. Take this 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 hoe and this plow and this shovel. And go get your ass to work. Well, fuck well, you. the logic the logic here is that because the United States is following it, that the Germans have to do this with American prisoners. Yeah, but, but <laughs> I don't give a shit. Fuck it, make them work. Um, bro- so you broke Ryan, dude. No. And, and a lot Fuck of this, too, is because there's a shortage of American labor, obviously, because um, millions of soldiers are overseas um, and they don't have anybody to do like the manual labor. Um, so they were forced to uh, work to help the uh, Allied war effort, um, working in canneries, mills, farms um, and other places where they would pose a minimal risk to security. OK, um, a- an example of a typical day for a German prisoner and this is in the Garden Grove camp in California, was that they would have Reveille at 5.30 a.m. At 7.30 a.m., work. they would begin work at a, a fruit orchard, um, uh, at different orchards around uh, Orange County, California, um, and that they would have to, um, and they had a quota of 36 boxes of oranges per prisoner. Yeah, that's what the, uh, the song Garden Grove by Sublime, that's what that's about. Do we have any idea what the minimum amount of boxes required by an immigrant... Uh, or a migrant farmer is today. Well, well, they didn't. They didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, if it's not in the hundreds, I don't believe you. <laughs> uh. If it was thirty six for fucking these goddamn fucking Hans and, and Klaus, it's got to be six hundred right well, now. <laughs> well, the the difference is is that farm laborers, I believe, at this time are generally paid for the the amount that they harvest as opposed to an hourly wage, which the um. The, the soldiers here are being paid hourly, um, and that those those soldiers that don't meet their quota, they, they miss lunch at noon, um, and then the workday ends at 4.30 p.m. Um, at 5.30 p.m., they have dinner. Um, in the evening, they would have um, different educational classes, films, and live performances that were done by the prisoners. Like a chocolate cigarette or something cool. Yeah. <laughs> this is the most ridiculous shit I've ever heard of in my life. And, that, and then at 10 p.m., they would have uh, bedtime. <laughs> Oh, bedtime. Do they all read each well, other it's night time stories? To go to bed. <laughs> Get Hans. Yeah, Hans, read us the story again. <laughs> Tell us about the fatherland. But this time, but this time, perhaps there's a hero named Klaus who is in the story. Tell me another story about the Reich. <laughs> Maybe this time the Reich doesn't fall and Klaus he doesn't said, get captured, yeah. He said, uh, this time there's maybe a man named Klaus in the story. <laughs> a brave a brave prince who's fighting. Who yeah. doesn't get captured, maybe? Una, una kinder prince. <laughs> uh, so, per the Geneva Convention, prisoners could not be used to work in anything directly related to the military or in dangerous conditions. Um, the minimum pay for an enlisted soldier was eighty cents, um, which is the equivalent to thirteen dollars today. Um, so they're actually making more minimum wage than than what like the average laborer in Florida makes by state law. <laughs> they're also making more minimum wage by being POWs than the than most. I'm going to say ninety percent of prisoners, like state prisoners in the state of Florida, make today. Because if you work for the Pride Factory, I want to say it's like two dollars an hour. Maybe at the most well, I would, it's two dollars. Well, I would say they're making they're making thirteen dollars a day, so it's yeah, not. I mean, you, 
it's but yeah, still but you don't work for eight hours. I think you work for like six. Um, so at, at thirteen dollars a day, they're roughly making the equivalent pay of an American private. Um, in in nineteen forty three, uh, the government estimated that uh, prisoner labor um, uh, costs around fifty to seventy five percent that of normal uh, free labor, uh, mainly due to unionization. Um, and so uh, while there were uh, different language differences and the risks that prisoners could escape or be unreliable um, in their work, um, the, the, prisoner, uh, the prisoners were uh, available immediately on demand any exact numbers needed, as opposed to them having to, like, you know, get laborers to work at a site. I can already, <laughs> I can already say, hey, how you doing? My name is Vinny. Uh, I represent the uh, POWs of uh, Camp 46 here. They have decided to unionize. Local you can five, six, uh, donate three. to your local 340. <laughs> you donate to your local 343. Yeah. <laughs> this is now a unionized, organized workplace. <laughs> um, so it was generally considered that uh, prisoners, on average, they worked uh, more slowly um, and were less productive than civilians. Um, but their work was generally more reliable and of a higher quality. What are some of your demands? Well, we need more books for bedtime stories. <laughs> <laughs> more wide variety. Uh, Mako gets scared, so we need to uh, find something less scary. Too much Dick and Jane. Way too much. If you could cut down on the Grimm's fairy tales, I understand it's from home, but, you know, collective bargaining, we're trying to stay away from the scary I shit. knew Grimm. He was nice, but he's a little repetitive. Uh- <laughs> Prisoners who did not meet their work quotas were uh, imprisoned um, and were given uh, bread and water. Wait, 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 wait. Excuse <laughs> Back me? Back the fuck up. <laughs> Prisoners who did not meet their work co- quotas were Well, they were, they were essentially sent to, like, solitary. Oh, okay. They were put in the hole. All right. Well, because, like... Because you're already in prison. What the fuck you mean you're going to prison? Like, like, you're going to prison in prison? Because, like, some, some of these prisoners in, in some of these camps, like, they, they were allowed, like, a lot of freedom. Like, like some prisoners were allowed to, like, actually, like... Like leave the camp and go work, like like essentially have like a regular job, and then just have to like come back to the camp at night or whatever, or that they would send like somebody would come to like check in on them. Like for instance, there was a town in in like rural Georgia where they didn't have a doctor, and they they had a German. Uh, yeah, that's uh, Marjorie Taylor P- Greene's town, uh, Forsyth. Yeah. <laughs> so you're telling me that you could go to the doctor and it's 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 Klaus. It's it's just it's Colonel Clink. Under, it's Colonel Clink muttering under his breath like just slurs and German. Yeah, hey doc, I have you. a cough and in, and my throat itches. I know nothing. That was like the doc is just sitting there making notes to start screaming about the fjord. Like just start screaming in German. You're just like, okay. Generally, generally for the most part, that was not the case with a lot of German prisoners. Um, okay. Usually, the ones that were like that were sent to like a specific camp, uh, along uh, with any members of like the SS. I um, mean, like I said, they're they're divided by service. So essentially, like all the all the members of like the Kriegsmarine, which is the Navy, like they go to a camp. All the members of like the Luftwaffe go to a camp together. Um, so uh, so a lot of these guys are just like are just like conscripts. They're not necessarily hardcore Nazis, and by the end of the war, most of them were conscripts or kids, right? I mean, yeah, they're like 18 Well, yeah, kids. but, but by that point, they're, they're okay. not really shipping as many back, because, you know, they've taken, they, they're, they've taken territory. Yeah, um, right. So, the workers could use their, their wages at the uh, camp canteen, um, where um, other, other prisoners as well would sell uh, snacks, um, reading and writing materials, playing cards, and tobacco products. Um, snacks, the, snacks they stole from from uh, Woolworths. Yeah, 
The, uh, they, <laughs> no, you could buy a honey bun. You could buy ramen soups. You could buy packets of peanut butter cookies. You, you could know. buy a big Texas. <laughs> those, yeah. those like three, those like Linden's three peanut butter cookies. They came in a little mm-hmm. yellow wrapper. Oh man, exactly. I like mm-hmm. the chocolate chip ones. We used to get those in grade school. The yeah, two pack of Grandma's chocolate chip cookies. The the prisoners were paid in scrip. Um, and and this is because um, all hard currencies that they had were confiscated along with other personal possessions uh, during their initial processing um, to be returned to them after the war as mandated by the convention. Um, and money, they were not to have regular money because it could be used during escape attempts. So what is script? Is script like like monopoly money? Script. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like funny money. Yeah, like okay. script. It's it's like uh, it's like itchy and scratchy money. No, okay. no T at the end. Okay. Uh, the the government received around uh, twenty two million dollars in nineteen forty four from prisoner wages, the equivalent of three hundred and fifty two million dollars today. I um, love that today. And, and that year, it <laughs> estimated that it saved uh, around uh, eighty million, um, uh, about one point three six billion in today's money by using Jesus prisoners and in military installations. Jesus. Oh, those, so that's why we do it so commonly today. Gotcha. Uh, newspaper coverage of the camps and public knowledge were intentionally limited until the end of the war, um, in part to comply with the uh, Geneva Convention and also to avoid fear of an enemy presence in such large numbers being close to their uh, cities. The Geneva Convention tells you not to say anything? Well, it's saying like you shouldn't like tell like everybody in your country, like, hey, these are where the prisoners are, so like people don't come and kill them. Ah, uh, okay. Because cause there were incidents after like the Japanese internment that like people who knew where, like, the Japanese internment camps would do, like, were, would do, like, drive-bys on them. <laughs> what? Yeah, because they're just like, yeah, they're all, they're all, like, they're all traitors and, and, and Japs, so we gotta kill them all. Jesus. Look at this guy just casually dropping the hard J, bro. Okay. No. <laughs> I was the person saying that. It wasn't me saying that. <laughs> it wasn't me. This is a characterization. Any representation of any living person, real or dead, is entirely fictional. <laughs> but it is it is a slur. Space. You should not say it. It's one of those grandpa slurs. It's one of those grandpa slurs where like, you listen to it and you're like, yes, it's just the shortened version of Japanese, but wow, does that sound really fucked up and sound like something that you it's the it's the It's say. the emphasis. Yeah. Growing up, uh, I knew a word was a slur because I would walk in the house and say, yeah, so-and-so uh, said that these this thing... And then my mom would be like, don't you ever, ever say that. <laughs> and I was like, "What is it bad? She's like, it's a slur. And I'm like, okay. I feel like, too, there's this intrinsic value that most people have, and I say most with heavy emphasis, where, like, certain words, when you hear them, like, it just, internally, you just kind of know, like, that sounds weird. Yeah. I don't feel like I should say that. Even if you have had no, you know, introduction Prior to the word before. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like there is just intrinsically something in most people who's like, yeah, it doesn't sound right. I should probably shouldn't say that. I'll see how I'll see how it happens when somebody else says it first. I'm gonna hold off, dog. <laughs> <laughs> um, so while most people who lived near the camps and were aware of them a- accepted the the camps and the prisoners' presence in their in their daily life, um, the the government did receive hundreds of letters uh, per week uh, protesting the good treatment of these prisoners. Um, some even demanded that the POWs be killed. Um, and this was generally because, you know, people were reading regularly of, of, like, American casualties in the war. These people were also the people that demanded that uh, schools not be segregated. Uh, and these were people that also liked uh, to dress up in their bed sheets and ride around on horses. 
We mean for schools to be segregated. Yeah, you just said oh, like the. I'm op- sorry. <laughs> sorry for schools to. I be got segregated. really confused for a second. I was like, "Who are these?" <laughs> you knew that you understood the spirit. There of were two. Thing. There was one group. It was the Ku Klux Klan, and then there was the Ku Klux Klan, which was where there was like a question mark after the Klux part. And there's there's Ku Klux Klan, <laughs> the character from Itchy and Scratchy. <laughs> they, and there's also there's also the Ku Klux Klan. <laughs> yeah, these guys just they what they like to do is they like to watch the other clan commit acts. <laughs> they are the reason Pornhub search distribution is the reason it looks the way it looks. Oh, terrible. The, terrible. The government, the government generally had difficulty uh, persuading the public that um, that they needed to treat the prisoners according to the Geneva Convention no to make it more likely that uh, Americans were American prisoners were treated um, equally as well. Um, Absolute la- animals. Uh, labor unions were generally the largest opposition to the use of prisoner labor. Um, and the um, and they cited the war uh, war manpower commissions rules that required union participation in worker recruitment whenever possible. Um, but because there was a wartime labor shortage, um, especially in agriculture, um, uh, their their contribution was uh, generally valued. And as late as February 1945, uh, politicians in rural states asked the government um, for a hundred thousand or more prisoners to work on farms. Okay. Um, also, too, like a lot of the labor uh, laws that come out during like the um, during like the New Deal and stuff like that, um, they don't apply to farm labor, uh, which is which is one of the things too, which uh, which has been talked about recently. You know, for instance, John Oliver talked about it, and it's that like a lot of the labor laws that the United States has since like the 1930s, like they specifically exclude farm labor. I was gonna say I heard something about that recently, and when you say John Oliver, it had to be where it was. And this is because you got to remember how much of the economy back then revolved around people having children working on their farm. And when you had children back then, yes, like, yes, it's your child and you love them. But also you're looking at this as a economical thing where this is another worker for the farm. Yeah, we were still in economic marriage days. Yeah, but it's yeah. it's still that way. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say it's, un- it's unchanged. It's not as bad as it used to be. Like it was almost everything was an economic marriage. Well, I mean, in agriculture. Oh, in agriculture. Okay, yeah, yeah. I thought in agriculture it was just like how good you were at selling it to the people at Home Depot. <laughs> I just feel like Ron Swanson every time I walk in. They're just I know more than you. Get away from me. Listen, I got two things for my sales pitch. One. You guys are not going to die on the farm. Two, if you do die, nobody's going to find out about it. You want to go? Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, twice each month, each prisoner uh, of war camp, they would fill out a form, uh, WDAGO Form 1921, and they would mail it to the office of the Provost Marshal General in Washington, D.C. Um, the, the report would include the camp's name and address, the nationality of the prisoners, the total number of prisoners uh, broken down by number of officers, NCOs, and privates, and the number of man days worked by project in that camp during the reporting period. Okay. Um, there were um, there were insufficient American guards, um, especially those as mentioned before that actually spoke German. Um, so they were mostly supervised by German officers and NCOs uh, who maintained uh, discipline. You better learn. But I mean, did you have to be able to speak German to be American. a guard? You better learn well, American while you're at it. Now say what you want for dinner again. The nachos, that's better. <laughs> I would like the hamburger that, with cheese. Das, that's, no, hamburger, they didn't have a problem das, with. <laughs> das, pizza, das pizza. Das pizza. Das pizza roll. Das noodle. 
Um, Saucy noodle. And also, too, after um, after That's American after the, sorry after I just heard that after after an American guard who had fought at the uh, Battle of the Bulge um, had killed uh, uh, prisoners while watching them in Texas. Um, uh, after that, guards were given psychiatric tests and removed from duty if necessary. Yeah, okay, so that was going to be my next question. You're putting American troops to guard to guard German POWs, and if you have insufficient guards, that means you're absolutely pulling people who have potentially been on the front PTSD. lines and asking them to guard. Yeah, this a really... Hey, listen, <laughs> how bad of an idea is this? It's like taking a sniper, a deadly sniper who has profound PTSD to a shooting range. Yep. You know what I mean? Nothing bad could possibly happen with that, right? Mm-hmm. So the, uh, the the Germans uh, would uh, wake their own men. Uh, they marched to and from meals and prepare, and, and they um, and they were prepared uh, for work by their officers. They routinely um, uh, uh, this uh, would uh, recreate uh, the feel of uh, military discipline for the prisoners. Yes, um, it's also where uh, the term "woke" comes from. Uh, the German. No, I'm just kidding. Good. Uh, the, the prisoners uh, themselves as well you would usually have friendly interactions with local civilians um, and were oftentimes allowed to do things outside of the, the camps without guards on an honor system. Um, there were also cases as well that that um, black soldiers who were on guard duty of these uh, these Germans would have the Germans, you know, for instance, go into restaurants or stores to uh, to purchase an item for them since they were unable to do such themselves for being African-American. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay okay run that back one more time because i feel like that needs to be emphasized but just well just- well there's there's also the example of the one member of the tuskegee airmen he said that when he was shot down over germany when he like got to the camp he was treated with more dignity and respect by the germans than he was by his own american military uh personnel and that like for instance the the officers of the camp always saluted him and he was treated the same as all the other white prisoners and then when he got off the boat in, in New York after the war had ended, um, as he was coming off the boat, the one officer uh, essentially told him, he said, uh, he said, uh, he said, white soldiers to the left and word soldiers to the right. But, <laughs> see, now, if I was at Tuskegee Airmen, I'd be like, actually, you know what? This is not my stop. Let me hop back on this boat. I think I forgot my suitcase on the dock. Um, I'll be back <laughs> and just never come back here. Just go live in Germany. Uh, um uh, POWs were also allowed such luxuries as beer and wine um, at times, um, and they were also encouraged to take part in hobbies or sports. Okay, but again, I do want to go back. The people who were guarding German prisoners as POWs during World War II were having them go into stores for them because of Jim Crow laws. They could not walk into a fucking store. Yeah. Just, you know, I you just, know, a lot of the people that were that were lynched right after the war and also after World War One, they were they were veterans. And it was because they wore their they, they had the audacity to wear their military uniforms. I hate this country so much. Anyway, go ahead. Um, when uh, uh, a, a chaplain who was a POW, um, Alex uh, uh, Funke, um, he he was at uh, Camp Ogon. Yeah, uh, of the Tobias Funke fame. He wasn't an Aurapist, though. <laughs> I thought it was funky. <laughs> um, he was at uh, Camp Algona, and he wrote, We all were positively impressed by the United States and that we all have been won over to friendly relations with the U.S. Who uh, would have thought? We don't even need to bomb these dudes. We could have just sent over propaganda but propaganda films. That would have been it. We could have just given them like the equivalent of like birthright to the United States. They'd just be yeah. like... <laughs> um, so, 
there was also um, unauthorized fraternization between American women and German prisoners, um, which sometimes became a problem. Um, and several camps as well would hold uh, social receptions with local American girls. Um, and some Germans would beat their future wives at these events. Um, so many of, as you might have guessed, uh, many prisoners found that their living conditions as prisoners uh, were better than those that they had while civilians um, in Germany. Um, all prisoners ate the same rations as American soldiers as required by the Geneva Convention. Um, and this also included wine for general officers and special meals for Thanksgiving and Christmas Day. Um, Wait a minute. So wine is in the Geneva Convention? Yeah, that, that there's that, that officers are to be given like an allotment of, of certain things, including oh wine. Oh, my God. That's wild. Okay. We have to remember this is 1929. So like most of the officers who are like in these countries are like like noblemen, essentially. Gotcha. So, but I mean, does that still apply today? Like in Desert Storm, was Schwarzkopf or whatever the hell his name is? Was he like getting just like wrecked on his on his daily allowance of like wine for like officers? <laughs> <I'm-> yes. <laughs> he, he like, was the- he just like slurring in the in, like <laughs> war room, like talking about we're going to get Saddam, but like slurring, like knocking shit over, like so are you drunk? Saddam. And he's like, I'm allowed by Geneva Convention to use the alcohol today. The Geneva Convention said. <laughs> Like, is it still a thing, or is this just just during World War II? Um, I I think like because it gradually changes over time, and the U.S. also has like weird rules with um, with like alcohol. I'm sure it's just like what they were allowed as German officers, so they were allowed gotcha. to like continue that because like the United States has a weird like like teetotaling thing with like because like for instance like the Navy, like most countries' navies, like the ships will have a uh, have two bars on them usually a bar uh-huh. for the officers and a bar for the uh, for the non commissioned. Um, gotcha. And in the U.S. Uh, Navy, the ships have none. And essentially the rules are that when you're out to sea, you're allowed to have two beers. They have to be opened at the same time, and, and you have to drink them in, in that sitting. Oh, that's wild. That's really smart to be like, hey, you can have two beers, but you got to open them at the same time. Because yeah, it forces you to drink them right there. Yeah, they have to be they have to be open. They can't save them. Um, and, and it's a rule that goes back to like World War One because uh, one of the uh, – the secretary of the Navy, I think it was, was really big into temperance. Uh-huh. So so he tried to, like, cut out, like, any and all drinking. But, like, it's impossible, especially if you're on a boat and you have to figure the majority of the population is in their 20s, to be like, we're going to have absolutely zero alcohol. Like, okay, well, we could. But it's well, also like, come on, be realistic. Well, well that's, like, also the, uh, that, that's also why the... That's also why the sort of stereotype is that, like, when... Even more so for Americans, like, once they go on shore leave, like, they go crazy... And it's mm-hmm. it is because like on American ship all they do is work at least on like a British or like Canadian ship they they get yeah. to like you know have a have a drink every now and then when they're off. And I mean on that same note, back in the day, if you want to go back, um, you know, to the early 1900s, uh, FDNY, Boston Fire Department, Chicago Fire Department, all these big city fire departments were given uh, an allotment if you were on shift that you could have a beer with dinner. Or after dinner, however you wanted to do it, but you could have a beer per shift because you're working, you know, a 24-hour shift. And I mean, technically, if you go by the rules and you have one beer, it should not cognitively affect your performance at all. But it is, you know, a morale booster, for lack of a better word. Yep. Yeah. Um, Just don't do that today. Don't work. Don't join the fire department today. And get caught cracking open a fucking beer and being like, "No, this is my daily allotment." Because you're getting fired. It's, your, it's like your first day. Fired. And you just walk in and just immediately you're like, crack open a tall boy. You're like, we get one a, and then you just crack open a, a 24 ounce like Steel City Reserve. Yeah, 
you, you they catch you <laughs> taping fucking 36 ounces to your hand, the 32s to your hands. You're like, yeah, I'm playing Johnny 40 hands. Now we're good. Pop that fucking beer. <laughs> These are my two drinks. Pop that fucking beer up and immediately if, ask him where the ladders are. <laughs> where's the uh, where's the pole at? Yeah, I'm gonna climb. Where's 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 the Dalmatian at? I won't you guys play with feel them. Like climbing? I feel like climbing. Glug. Hey, I'm allowed two drinks, right? This is each one drink. Sorry, 32 ounces. It's one drink. It's one if, bottle. One drink. If there was a, um, a an experienced cook among the among the prisoners, um, they were allowed to uh, cook for the camp. Um, and the prisoners would often receive uh, better meals than their actual like guards were receiving. Um, uh, initially, too, when the prisoners first came, they were unable to eat all of the food that was that they were given. Um, so the prisoners would uh, burn leftover food, um, uh, fearing that that their rations would be reduced since they weren't eating everything they were being given. Like mm-hmm. like they were afraid that like the Americans were just going to start taking taking stuff away from them since they weren't eating it. Um, but but that that ended when they realized that. You know that what they got is what they got to keep, right? Um, so uh, prisoners uh, they would get uh, daily uh, beer coupons, um, and uh, some prisoners would uh, pool their um, their daily uh, pri- uh, beer coupons as groups um, and take turns uh, drinking several at a time. Like they'd save them up. Or well, like, like they would pool them each day. Like well, all their, well, they, well, they'd would be like it's it's uh, it's uh, it's Peter's turn to. Uh, to, to get house, so we're gonna each give him the tickets, and then and then tomorrow it's like it's like Johan's turn, and he gets the the three or four tickets or whatever. That's awesome! Look at that solidarity. Um, they uh, they received uh, daily rations of cigarettes, um, and they were frequently uh, given uh, meat, uh, which were uh, which was a rationed um, item uh, for American uh, civilians. Dog, um, this is like the prison in Goodfellas, where they're like. <laughs> fucking lobster rot in and shit like that like what the fuck is this yeah we, we found that abundescent was very important in prison <laughs> what is this nonsense? and instead of instead of playing like playing like frank sinatra it's playing like like polka music <laughs> so, like, yeah you can like they're giving them, they're, like, like making like schnitzel of, like, and stuff and hey, put these leader hoses on you can dance around in this um uh, oftentimes too um, they would buy uh, cigarettes uh, very much in, in a vein that's, that's reminiscent of, of, of prisons today in the United States. Um, the cigarettes that were sold to them in the, in the canteen um, cost uh, – uh, they, they were sold uh, – or I should say in, in the opposite of it. The, the, the cigarettes they were sold were for less in the, in the camp canteen than they were, um, than they were outside of the camp. Um, so they could often bribe the guards with uh, cigarettes. I was going to say, A, uh, right now in 2023, cigarettes no longer exist, at least in state prison camps uh, in the state of Florida. But B, when they did, they were wildly more expensive uh, if you were to buy it from a prison canteen than if you were to buy it from a 7-Eleven by at least 2 or $3 yeah. markup. Like, like I said, it was the opposite. It's just wild. Um, one one uh, German uh, prisoner... Uh, uh, recalled that he had gained uh, 57 pounds in two years as a prisoner. Holy shit. What? But he was also probably, like, like pretty underweight. Um, right, because yeah. he was at war. Um, so, despite um, despite complaints from the uh, the International Red Cross um, about uh, the, uh, the believed inferiority of American white bread and coffee... Um, They're complaining?! No, that was the Shut red. The that was up. the Red Cross essentially saying like white bread doesn't have any nutritious content. Um, 
that the, uh, the the prisoners felt that they were being treated better in the United States than they were anywhere else. Okay, um, I was gonna say they're fucking complaining right now. Uh, <laughs> uh, Funke, uh, the the chaplain I mentioned earlier, um, he he stated that nobody could become bored as a prisoner as well. Um, he said prisoners uh, were given uh, writing materials, art supplies, woodworking utensils, and musical instruments, and were allowed to regularly correspond with their families in Germany. Um, they held uh, frequent theatrical and musical performances, um, which were attended by hundreds um, or thousands, including uh, American guards and Red Cross inspectors. Um, and sometimes local radio stations even broadcast their music. How long did this um, go on for? Uh, four years. How was this real? Um, the the prisoners, they, they were allowed to have private radios um, and, and movies were shown as often as four nights a week. Um, if the camp God. did not, if the camp did not have a projector in order to show movies, uh, prisoners would uh, pool their savings to purchase one. That's better treatment than uh, the four hundred seven seven match. The uh, the the uh, the using the uh, films were often used for re-education um, and propaganda tools, um, as well as entertainment, um, and oftentimes uh, anti-Nazi films and cartoons. Um, such as the uh, the Bugs Bunny cartoon, the the hair meets the hair, um, uh, were um, were were shown to the prisoners, and also the Why We Fight series, which is the Frank Capra sort of propaganda films about different aspects of like Axis aggression starting World War Two. Um, no, oh, I'm about to say, of course, we hit them with propaganda, right? If if American World War Two films were shown, they mainly dealt with the Pacific War. Um, near the end of the war, though, um, uh, approved German films uh, from a list um, exchanged to the Red Cross became available as well. Um, after after liberation of the concentration camps um, in Nazi-held territory, uh, films of the atrocities of the Holocaust were shown to prisoners um, with armed uh, military police present. Um, among the prisoners, um, usually uh, it engendered shock, anger, and disbelief. Um, and, and oftentimes, right. Cause you're um, an average th- rank and file soldier in the German military, not to completely absolve them, but yeah, they, they didn't know they the were, extent. They were not involved either directly or they had no knowledge of what they, they didn't know on. the extent they, they were, they were all involved in, in stuff like at some levels of like the hunger plan and stuff like that. But, they, but like the actual, like, like the yeah, extermination sure like- camps, that was to a level that they weren't really aware of, and it's it's also a level of like barbarity that like that the the Nazis had to go to because like humans themselves were incapable of carrying it out. They had to turn it into a machine. Right. There had to be like some sort of at least whispers or rumors. Of well, well, yes, yeah, there there were there were rumors because they're they're sending all these Jews out east, and and people are like, well, like what's what's happening to them. Yeah, like, and, where are they? and then and then by 43 like most average german civilians knew as the war's turning against them that like there there's going to be like a terrible vengeance brought upon them for like what they've done out east um yeah but they just don't know exactly what it is but they know it's not good well, well yeah they, germany at the time I, I read something recently where it was really just chilling where it was uh the description of a guy who was getting off a train at like auschwitz and he was seeing the crematoriums and he didn't understand what it was at first, but like when he looked at it, he finally realized that he was in like the land of the crematorium of Germany, I guess, where they were known for like their crematoriums, for lack of a better word. So it's almost like that. Holy shit! It just hit me like a truck. What is actually going on here? Um, 
the uh, oftentimes the prisoners uh, would call these films um, uh, uh, knockin films or uh, the films of bones. Um, many, Ugh. many, uh, but but despite this, uh, many many prisoners uh, accepted the films as factual, um, and after um, uh, compulsory viewing of the films, uh, a thousand uh, prisoners uh, at Camp Buntner uh, burned their German uniforms. Um, uh, prisoners at at other camps uh, called on uh, Germany to surrender after viewing these films, um, and um, and a few of the prisoners, which was um, and this was an idea that was ultimately rejected by American military officials, uh, volunteered to fight the, uh, fight in the Pacific against the Japanese. Wow. Um, camps would build uh, libraries um, to organize uh, reading materials for the prisoners, um, and the prisoners would often purchase their own. Um, but they never, um, they never had um, really enough reading material, with an average about one and a half book per prisoner. Yeah, it's not or enough. one one half book per prisoner. Um, the YMCA printed thousands of copies of books for the camps, um, and even provided book binding materials so camps could prepare them um, due to the frequent use of the books. Um, camps had subscriptions to American newspapers, and every camp published its own newspaper with poetry, short stories, puzzles, and games listings of upcoming events and classified ads. Interesting. Um, camp authorities, uh, they, they recognized the, uh, the value of these periodicals, uh, because they served as creative outlets for the prisoners, um, and also allowed them to get an indicator of the prisoners views. Um, the tone of the articles often varied. Um, some of them promoted, uh, Nazi ideology and, and some, uh, also, uh, foresaw German victory. Um, and, and as many as um, as eight of the twenty uh, newspapers um, that were in circulation in these camps, um, as Germany neared defeat in early 1945, they even advocated uh, Nazi ideology. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that sort of comes out of this as well is that a lot of the uh, future CEOs um, and, and sort of like uh, business people of post-war Germany um, get their educations in these camps. Um, so uh, a future even member of the uh, the German uh, the West German cabinet, um, Walter uh, Holstein, um, he taught uh, classes um, to Germans in the camps, um, and, and um, these uh, these classes included German, English, other foreign languages, uh, business, and mathematics. Wow! Um, these courses were so successful that by uh, May of 1944, the German Ministry of Education. Um, and the um, uh, that they had sent through the Red Cross detailed procedures for students to receive credit at German high schools and universities for these classes. Well, that's um, good, huh? Some uh, some prisoners took correspondence classes through local universities, um, and German universities also accepted their credits after returning home. Wow. Okay. Um, so. One of the problems that comes with relying on uh, the Germans to discipline themselves is that while it was efficient, um, it also allowed you know committed Nazis um, to exist despite um, despite American attempts to identify and separate them um, from the non-committed Nazis, um, or I should say non-committed Germans. Um, members of the, uh, for instance, uh, they were initially issues with uh, captured members of the Africa Corps um, who were captured earliest on by the Americans. And this was still during a period where Germany was winning. Um, and they, um, and, and they were the most, um, sort of like gave the most opposition and resistance. 
um, and, and they would do things such as uh, work stoppages, um, intimidate other prisoners, and they would also hold uh, secret kangaroo courts for those accused of disloyalty. Um, <laughs> Literally sounds like perfect unionization. <laughs> uh, those those that were found to be um, uh, disloyal um, could sometimes be uh, attacked or killed in the process, um, as the um, as uh, and this would be blamed on quote unquote the Holy Ghost, um, and uh, and most. Uh, "Quote unquote suicides that occurred in the camps were often uh, were most often likely these murders." Wait, so wait, wait. <clears throat> what is the Holy Ghost? It, it's just saying, you know that that it was an act of God. Ah, okay, all right. Um, the U.S. military uh, executed fourteen Germans after the war for murdering other prisoners in three instances. Um, eight others served time in prison in two separate incidents. Um, uh, however, uh, dozens of these uh, murders occurred. Um, many uh, devoted Nazis remained loyal to their political beliefs and expected a, a German uh, victory until the Allies crossed the Rhine River in March of 1945. Um, their their faith often amazed uh, prisoners captured during and after the Battle of Normandy, who had more realistic views of how the war was going for Germany. Um, mm-hmm. our earlier prisoners often viewed the others with contempt, uh, calling them traitors or deserters. Um, a, a fear of secret punishment by such men uh, caused prisoners to later state that there was more political freedom in the German army than in an American prison camp. Um, so uh, the um, them and the uh, the other uh, anti-Nazis uh, were sent to uh, Camp Rustin to protect them, while an Oklahoma camp received uh, Fafen SS. Um, and prisoners who were violent or criticized cooperation with their captors, and aren't like the the Waffen SS aren't aren't those like when you think of like Nazis, those are like the Nazis well, of the Nazis. Well, right? well, they're the they're the army of the Nazi Party. I thought that the the Waffen SS is the because there's the SS, um, and there's there's different levels, but the um the, like the 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 Alamein, um SS. Are like the like the bureaucrats, like like uh-huh. they were heavily involved in like the Holocaust because they were doing all the like the paperwork and stuff. But the okay. the Waffen SS are the ones that are like fighting, and they are they're they are the party um, military, and they are they're they are um, they were sort of like coordinated with the the military high command, but they were separate. Okay, they were they okay. were I always basically thought- hardline though. I always thought they were like the the, the SS or special forces, if you were. If well, you will. that that's sort of like the propaganda, but in reality, they were actually generally worse than the standard units. Um, they would get ah. they would get special treatment because, of course, they were the the like the party's military. Um, and for instance, like Himmler had tried to uh, sort of like uh, merge them into the military, but the uh, but the traditional like military men and the generals didn't want this. Because they viewed it as like him were just trying to take over the military, uh huh. Um, like him just trying to put his own people in there for a coup. Yeah, because like the like the SA um, under Rom, you know the brown shirts, like right. like the SS are kind of the same, and and a lot of the SA got folded into the SS, the ones that they didn't like kill. Ah, okay. Um, after the night of the long knives. Yeah, after the night of the long knives, okay. when the S when the SA is dissolved, right dissolved um uh prisoners uh, regardless of their ideology um often uh taunted um guards such as uh saluting with uh sikh hiles 
uh, when forced to attend uh, the lowering of the U.S. flag. Um, they secretly celebrated, um, oftentimes they secretly celebrated Hitler's birthday and other Nazi holidays after the Americans banned them, and many became upset when Jewish officers supervised them. Uh, prisoners were expected during wartime to attempt to escape, but less than 1% of all prisoners of war in America attempted escape. Um, however, about, uh, which is about half the rate of, of Italian prisoners, um, and less than half the rate of the American prison system, and most were unsuccessful. Yeah, because dog, if you're Hans and you get out of a German P or a like a POW camp in the middle of buttfuck Arkansas, it's very fucking hard to well, blend we'll, in. We'll, we'll talk about one of these <laughs> these cases. But um, if you're Italian and you break out of a fucking prison, a POW prison in you know upstate New York, it's not well. They're, that well, they're not keeping like, them. Hey. In, they're not keeping them in upstate New York. They're they're keeping them in like in like Georgia and Arizona. You said there was forty. What forty two camps? Yeah, but but like two states that had camps. Yeah, but they're like out in the middle of nowhere. They're not like they're they're not keeping uh, they're they're not keeping a prisoner of war camp in like central New Jersey. No, they're in like Terrytown, New York. <laughs> yeah, they're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're in like Syracuse. <laughs> they're like out in like the Pine Barrens of New Jersey, if they're anywhere you know where there's. Hey, where the in like nineteen, which is like in nineteen forty three. There's probably like no Italian Americans around. Nope. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's well, true. But I was gonna say it was, it'd be more realistic to believe that an Italian captured POW. Well, is well yeah, it's not like than a German. Yeah, but I'm just saying it's not like they're hopping the fence in the little Italy. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to a restaurant. Oh boy! Immediately, like, let me get some gabagool. <laughs> um, but uh, as stated, you know, the likelihood of an escapee returning uh, to their uh, forces overseas was very remote. Um, but oftentimes it was done as a way to avoid boredom, uh, was usually the reason most gave to escape, and, and some had hoped to reach Argentina. Um, prisoners who died during escape attempts uh, usually received military funerals with U.S. government-provided German flags um, on their caskets. And they're not murdered immediately when they're caught. That's, no, that's that's, that, that's too. They're just like caught and brought back like, hey, don't you try well, that again, you rascally Germans. Ryan, these are Which, whites. Which we'll, we'll we'll talk about that, and also because of like the, the Geneva Convention, um, because the the Germans do not follow this rule. You know, for instance, like if you've seen the the Great Escape, which is based on the actual like escape attempt, like right. at the end where they like machine gun the 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 soldiers that they captured, yeah, like that that happened in real life, and, and like the the high command tried to tell Hitler like, well, we can't we can't kill like all of them because like. The like the allies could do the same to our prisoners, and he's just like, "Well, just kill fifty of them." Jesus Christ! I'm surprised, honestly, honestly surprised Hitler wasn't like, "I don't give a fuck." Our dudes got captured. Well, I don't like dudes that get captured. Well, well he was he was a, he was essentially <laughs> like that, but they talked him down. I guess because he was also a former soldier, so I guess he he also had a had sort of like a uh, I, I guess a closer thing to that. Like, he was opposed. Was to, he ever caught though? Because I can't. I no, know he, he was. He was never caught. But he was promise of the future fear. But I can't remember if he was actually caught. No, he was. He was never a POW. But he did have like sort of like he saw things from like an average soldier's point of view. So he was opposed which to which is fair. Which he was opposed to using like chemical weapons because they had been used against him. So he's like, we're never using chemical weapons. Which is fair. Um. So at at camp, uh, uh, Papago uh, Park which was built in 1943 in uh, Papago Park, Arizona, um, which was in a public recreational area in eastern uh, Phoenix, Arizona. 
Um, okay. so, so initially, the camp was used for Italian prisoners of war, but in January 1944, it had been designated for German prisoners only, most of whom were from the German Navy, the Kriegsmarine. The camp consisted of five separate compounds, one for officers and the rest for enlisted men. At its peak, the population of the camp was around uh, 3,100 prisoners, um, excluding the uh, 371 American guards and officers. Uh, Camp Papago Park uh, was very typical in terms of a prison camp. It was surrounded by barbed wire and watchtowers, um, and it was unusual um, in that uh, prisoners were not required to work or study. Um, uh, To combat boredom, uh, many of the Germans volunteered to work and were assigned as laborers in a nearby cotton field um, and and other similar agricultural um, projects. Uh, Interesting. Many of the men in the officers' compounds were uh, were U-boat sailors, um, including the commander, uh, Captain uh, Jürgen uh, Wattenberg, who was the highest-ranking German prisoner at the camp. Um, he was a veteran of the Battle of the River Plot, um, and was, uh, as well as the uh, commander of U-162, uh, which was sunk off Trinidad by the Royal Navy in September of 1942. Um, because the United States had joined the war by that date, uh, the British had transferred Wattenberg and his crew into American custody. That said... Is it true that there were Nazi subs, like, in the East River, like, that far into, like, the United States? Yeah. Or is that more like propaganda? Well, I'm sure there there were some, because, like, they would, like, you used to be able in Miami, you could sit on your, you could sit on your balcony and watch, like, the ships burn off the shore. So, so like, German, German submarines were pretty close to yeah. like the United States, yeah, to, like preying when on. When I grew up, uh, Nazi subs was basically any sandwich you got with liverwurst on it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so they definitely have a foothold in old trend. Oh man, that was a fucking good joke. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Steve just passed out. He's waking up though. Oh. <laughs> it was that funny, Steve? Um. According to the author, uh, the author uh, Cecil Owen, uh, Wattenberg was shuffled from one camp to another for nobody wanted to keep him. He was considered a quote-unquote super-Nazi because he caused trouble <laughs> everywhere he was sent. Finally, he was transferred to Papago Park, prisoner of war camp in the Arizona desert. Oh, God. Is this place like the Alcatraz, but for POWs? Um, well, I guess, I guess they're just You're like... supposed to be like, the worst of the worst go to camp Papago Park. No, I think it was more like, where the fuck can we put this, like, boat bitch? And it's just like, we'll just put him in the middle of the desert. <laughs> where it's wait, like, where the fuck can we put this boat bitch? Joe Arpaio just comes up waking out of his bed like The Undertaker. Me and Steven Seagal <laughs> take care of it. You got it, troublemakers, it's like, I got a county jail for it's you. Like, it's like, how do you be Aquaman? It's like, you just drop him off in the desert. Like, yeah, this, guy, this guy's fighting us too much. Yeah, just put him in the desert. <laughs> just get rid of him. Um, so one of the the problems though, is that Wattenberg at the camp is, was not the only one who is like this, like, like resolute and, um, supportive of the Nazi cause. Um, and the American commander of the camp, uh, makes, makes the mistake of putting all of the most troublesome and escape prone inmates and the officers, uh, compound together instead of dispersing them. (laughs) Oh yeah. No way that could go bad. The, uh, the camp's provost marshal, uh, captain, uh, uh, Cecil uh, Partial was the was the only one to see a problem with the arrangement. 
Uh, Partial pointed out that there was a spot in the officer's compound that could not be seen from the guard towers, making it ideal for an escape. Um, He also said that, quote-unquote, German prisoners were a fine bunch of men smart as hell, and it made made no sense to put the smartest of them in compound one. Not all together, anyway. He said, I knew they would discover the blind spot. Um, Wattenberg began uh, planning an escape as soon as he arrived at the camp. And he chose the blind spot um, to the side um, of the, or the, that blind spot mentioned to be the site for their tunnel entrance. Um, the blind spot was next to a bathhouse, um, which was the structure closest to the camp's eastern perimeter. Uh, Wattenberg had his men start the tunnel from inside the building. Uh, when the Germans uh, went to take a shower, they could easily enter the tunnel to dig instead. Um, to hide the entrance of the tunnel, the Germans removed um, a part of the wooden wall inside the bathhouse and replaced it with a box full of coal. Um, Wattenberg asked the Americans to give his men tools such as shovels, um, which he said was to work on their gardens and for the construction of a volleyball field. Um, but in oh reality, God. it was to use for the tunnel. <laughs> uh, yes, can we also request a jackhammer <laughs> and a pickaxe and a lights, if you could? Uh, about a 300 feet of lighting would be great, yes? Uh, <laughs> just a, a trap door, so some 2 by 4 some hinges, like... <laughs> oh, Are you guys, like, digging a tunnel? No, 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 no. <laughs> Uh, part of the part of the reason why the uh, guards were not as worried about it is that they felt that the ground was too rocky and compact uh, for the prisoners to dig through it, um, and, and um, so they never expected that the Germans would use the use those tools for digging because they would have need something uh, bigger and better than you know shovels. Um, fucking hubris they, on, all around. They assigned the prisoners two shovels and two rakes, uh, which were to be uh, which were used in the um, which were to be turned in at the end of the day. Which, let me guess, they weren't. Miscounts happened. Well, well, yeah, they, 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 they follow the rules, but it's still like they have the whole day to do it. They're not going to be digging at night because they can't use the excuse that they're going into the shower at night. What are you doing with the shovel in the shower? Um, Nothing. Cleaning? <laughs> Nothing uh, work on Work on the tunnel began um, in September of 1944 and was carried out by three groups of three men who worked for 90-minute 90 90 shifts during the night. Oh, during the night. Okay. Uh, one man could dig with a pick and, and coal shovel. The second would gather the dirt with a bucket, and the third would pull the dirt out of the shaft and keep watch. Uh, a fourth uh, a fourth group would get rid of the dirt. Um, at first, the Germans uh, flushed the dirt down the toilets, um, hid it in attics, uh, or dropped it down their pant legs into the gardens. Ah. But after the tunnel started getting long, they began spreading it out in the volleyball field. Um, the the American guards never noticed the uh, never noticed the dirt um, because the volleyball uh, field was under construction. The guards became used to seeing piles of dirt um, and thought nothing of it. Uh, so they were basically doing the exact same thing that the Americans were doing, just putting like that, put it in their pockets and just kind of walk yeah. around and let it fall. Yeah, like Shawshank Redemption. Yeah, well, I was thinking The Great Escape, but yeah, I've never seen The Great Escape. Well, it's a good movie. You should yeah. watch it. I'll put it on my list. I'm surprised you haven't seen it. No, you're not. It's pretty good. Come on. How long have no, you been like, it's like like known me? <laughs> it's, like a, it's like an old man movie. So That's a good yeah, point. I saw my yeah, granddad. He's got a good point yeah. there. I do like old man movies. It's, you will it's like on it. it's my list. Movie. I put it under Dog Day Afternoon, which I also haven't seen yet. <gasps> I just watched Taxi Driver for the first time. 
Dude, dog, what? dog, let me explain something what? to you about ADHD, all right? When you don't figure that shit out until you're like 27, all right, you don't watch a lot of movies. <laughs> you don't sit through whole meals, let alone fucking two and a half hour movies. Shit's got to be very entertaining for me to sit still that long. And this has been the ADHD Minute with Steve. Seriously. Brought to you by the Troika and Simply Safe. If there's a lull, <laughs> if there's a like a, a narrative lull, I'm in the bathroom like on my phone. You know, it's like, can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> just killed Steve. Just killed Steve. <laughs> Steve, just hold, heard your, the hold your arms over it. your head. Look at the light. Should I cut the ch- Go towards the I light. Should the choking out of the episode? <laughs> no, leave it in there. You should take it out. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That just... That just... Are you all right? Yeah, I just got to the bottom of my... My water, and there was a little bit more uh, propel left over than I expected. Oh, and you took a propel shot. <sighs> you gotta watch out for those hot shots of propel, buddy. <laughs> yeah, this, more this and more is, every day. This is definitely staying in the episode. I'm sorry. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, the Germans completed their tunnel on December 20th. Miraculous! It would measure. Around. You couldn't even tell he was just joking. <laughs> yeah, no idea. It, it measured 178 feet long, um, from the bathhouse east to a um, to the crosscut canal, with about six feet uh, with about a six foot vertical entrance shaft. Um, they started making preparations. Uh, Wattenberg managed to secure new clothing and fake documents for his men, including contact information for people in Mexico who would help them get back to Germany. He also rationed food in order to have some for the escape and made arrangements to have other prisoners who were staying behind to create a distraction with loud celebrations on the night of December 23rd. Uh, Wattenberg's plan was to get as far away from the camp as possible before the guards realized they were gone. Uh, To buy time, uh, four U-boat captains informed the Americans that they and the other officers would no longer appear for roll call unless it was conducted by an officer. The American commander did not accept this and put the entire compound on a restricted diet for every day the officers refused to appear. The, the roll call strike lasted 16 days and ended with a compromise. All men, regardless of rank, would be present uh, for roll call every morning except Sunday um, at 9 a.m., and every afternoon at 4.15 p.m. By tacit agreement, uh, those above the rank of, lieutenant, of a lieutenant captain would stand in the doorways of their barracks to be counted. Uh, the Germans... It must be nice to be an officer, boy. You get all kinds of just special privileges. Uh, the Germans, um, who got what they wanted, um, so they were able to um, push the date of the escape to Saturday, December 23rd, 1944. Mm-hmm. Um, the escape began at 9 p.m. on December 23rd. Um, by 2.30 a.m. on December 24th, uh, Wattenberg and 24 other men had made it through the tunnel without alarming the guards. Inside the Crosscut Canal, uh, the Germans headed south toward the Salt River. Because um, remember, when, when they, they say, like, the Crosscut Canal, this is just an empty, like, canal bed. Okay. Right. Because it's Arizona. Right. Right. Um. Captain uh, Wilhelm Gunther also and Lieutenant Ben Shapiro's wife, empty canal bed. Yeah. <laughs> as, 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 as hot as hot and dry as the Nagiv. You know the thing is, is um, that my, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Lieutenants uh, Wolfgang Claris and uh, Friedrich um, Uzzolino, um built a collapsible oh, raft. Make out up of, your mind. Are you Italian or German? What the fuck? Um, <laughs> 
they build a collapsible raft out of wood and um, scraps of rubber, um, hoping to float the raft down the Salt River to the Gila River to the Colorado River and then into the Gulf of California. Um, but when they realized uh, very, very quickly when they reached the Salt River was that there is no river in the Salt River. There's no water. It's just, you know, a dry, dry riverbed. Um, so we they abandoned the raft walked. after a short time. Also, speaking of <laughs> things dry in Ben Shapiro. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> oh terrible. Yeah, just, just the fact that they put all this work <laughs> into building this, this like, makeshift raft. And they're like, they look at the map and they're like, they're like yeah, yeah, there's, there's a river here. We, we go down it. And then when they reach it, they're just like, oh, fuck. Ugh. It's like an, um, an old school RPG that has some kind of like missable thing that you you can't like miss, and if you miss it, you can't win the game any longer. Um, the others um, split into pairs um, in small groups and went their separate ways, um, avoiding uh, trains and buses. By okay. by seven p.m. on December twenty fourth, um, Captain Partial was certain that some of the prisoners were missing. Um, soon after, I like how um, so Captain Partial was sure that some of the prisoners were missing. <laughs> well, you guys don't get that we're joke. We're not Captain sure because Partial. we're not fucking German, some of them. so we don't keep those kind of records. Captain Partial, how many of them are missing? Some, some of them, partially A partial missing. Amount. They're partially missing. Um, soon after this, uh, several hundred soldiers, FBI agents. Um, and uh, Papago um, Native American scouts were mobilized uh, for what the Phoenix Gazette called the greatest manhunt in Arizona history. Um, most of the escapees were recaptured due to hunger, uh, the cold and rainy weather, um, and being unfamiliar with the terrain. Uh, okay. One escapee turned himself in on seeing the camp's planned uh, Christmas menu. Um, <laughs> Ooh, stop it. Oh, God. Uh, <sighs> Two, two, I can't of, believe that two of the men who were caught, um, they were uh, they dined at a local customs official's house um, uh, while they waited to be picked up and sent back to camp. I'm telling you, dog, um, this, this is can't the, white, be real. This is the whiteness factor. It's just, uh, they just near, you know, n- nearby residents came uh, came to see the escapees firsthand um, after their story appeared in the news. Um, as did a, um, and, the, and they also played a local handicapped boy um, in chess. One of the men, Henrik Palmer, stated. They brought in this little crippled boy. He didn't know anyone who who he could play chess with, uh, who could play chess with him, and he wanted to know if uh, if we knew how to play. I told Reinhardt and German to let the kid win because I thought we might win favor with our captors. And this kid didn't look like he had long to live, so why not let him beat the great captured war prisoners? He could tell Just his friend about it later. Um, many surrendered within days of escaping, but a few others held out for much longer. On January 1st, 1945, uh, two unnamed prisoners were captured uh, by Papago scouts less than 30 miles from the Mexican border. Um, soon after, uh, Captain Lieutenants um, Friedrich uh, Guggenberger and Jürgen uh, Quayed Faslam uh, were captured around 10 miles uh, of the border. Uh, Gunther, uh, Claris, and Unsolino, um, they were caught on January 8th. After the latter des- uh, decided that a canal near the town of Gila Bend would be a good place for them to wash their underwear, um, what? some cowboys spotted the group as they washed their uh, washed their underwears in the canal and awarded the military. Bru- <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I love it! You gotta love it! You got to. the uh, The final holdout of the group was Captain uh, Vattenberg, who was captured over a month after the other escapees on January twenty eighth, nineteen forty five. Um, 
so instead of heading south, uh, Wattenberg and two of his subordinates, uh, Volter uh, Kuzer and, and Johann uh, Kremer, they made a shelter in a cave in the mountains north of Phoenix. Um, from there, they explored the area and ventured into the city. Um, according to the author uh, Ronald H. Bailey, Kremer uh, pulled off the most bizarre caper of the entire escape. Um, oh every few days, he would make contact with one of the German workers sent outside the camp's perimeter and exchange places with him. Um, the exchange prisoner would spend the night in the cave with Captain uh, Wattenberg uh, while Kremer slipped back into camp. Inside, Kremer would gather food and information. Um, to deliver the food, he would either join a work detail and escape again, or sent out, uh, or he was sent out with another worker. Um, this continued until January 22nd, when a surprise inspection revealed uh, Kremer's presence in the camp. Dude, what is this parent trap nonsense that they're pulling <laughs> off? <laughs> what the fuck is um, it? It's believed that Kremer had given um, his captors information because the next night, uh, Kozer was captured by three soldiers at, at the abandoned car uh, used to hide their provisions. Oh, he snitched. <laughs> uh, four days later, on January 27, 1945, uh, Wattenberg cleaned up and hiked into Phoenix. He had 75 cents on him, most of which he had spent on a meal at a restaurant. He slept in a chair in a hotel lobby for a few hours and then walked around the streets at night. While walking, he asked directions from a member of a street cleaning crew, um, and the cleaner found that his accent was suspicious and called the police, and Wattenberg was arrested by 9 a.m. the next morning. Dog, they just called the police on you if your accent was suspicious? Well, they know these Germans are, <clears throat> these Germans are still, like, German prisoners are still missing. Oh, and then God. this like guy with a very thick German accent comes up to, and he's like, "Yeah, yeah." yeah. Not suspect at all. I am from American. Uh, Go Yankee Joe <laughs> Cowboy. Beep up. Pop pop pop. American Cowboy. Just pow at him pow. Like, What's your favorite gun? <laughs> yes, it's a uh, Mauser Smith and Wesson. Get him. <laughs> Who won the nineteen twenty World Series? <laughs> The Yankees? <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch, he's he right. He got Damn it again. Boys, he's right. <laughs> um, so some of the escapees expect severe punishment for their escape. Um, they were aware that, um, they're aware, as I'd mentioned before, that 50 Allied prisoners of war have been executed after their escape from German uh, uh, German prison Stalag Luft III, uh, which is the, the escape that the Great Escape is based off of. Right, but instead, we're not barbarians. At, we're not going to kill you for that. But, but instead, at um, at Camp Apago, escapees were limited to bread and water rations for as many days as they were absent from camp. Um, none of the American guards were seriously punished, but the FBI launched an investigation into the lax security at the prisoner of war camps in Arizona. Um, <clears throat> um, and these these camps are, are largely part of uh, what the Associated Press would call an all but forgotten part of history. Um, even though uh, some of the former inmates went on to become prominent in post-war Germany, um, a lot of talk of the camps in the United States is is like un, unheard of. Um, Much like the Japanese internment camps, like a lot of people don't know that those things existed. Yeah. So about uh, 860 American POWs uh, remained uh, buried in 43 sites across the United States, with their graves often tended by local uh, German women's clubs. Um, so even in the communities which formerly hosted the camps, local residents often do not know the camps there existed. Um, there are often reunions of camp inmates, their captors and local townspeople, such as those held in Louisiana, Maine, and Georgia, 
um, that have garnered uh, press coverage and local interest for this in, uh, this sort of like unusual event. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, a total of 2,222 German POWs escaped from their camps. Um, most were captured within a day. Um, the U.S. government could not account for um, for seven uh, prisoners when they were repatriated. Most were captured within a day or as soon as that they saw the chow hall menu for the next week. They were like, you know what? Let me go back. This this food's pretty good. Yep. Uh, yeah, boy, when they, uh, he put on 56 pounds, and so let me see what I can do. Mm. Yeah. Hold when, on. When's, I, when's, I, don't, I don't think I can run from this. Uh, inmate uh, uh, Unther. How many um, of these people got repatriated? And how many were um, like? Were, was any amnesty given? Were they allowed to become well, U.S. citizens? Or? Well, well, all but all but seven uh, were, and some did like come back and become American citizens. Um, so just like that, that when I mentioned that that doctor in Georgia, right. like like mm-hmm. he ended up settling in Georgia, and and the ones that got married, I believe, did come back, but they did have to be repatriated to Germany first. Um, right. But one of them um, is a man named uh, George uh, Gartner, That's very uh, who escaped seven, who escaped. Yeah, who who escaped from a POW camp in Deming, New Mexico, on September twenty first, nineteen forty five, and this was to avoid be re- being repatriated to Silesia, which was occupied by the Soviet Union at that time, and he remained at large until nineteen eighty five. Yeah, I wouldn't either want to go back to a place the Soviet Union was occupied back then. No, sir, <laughs> well, well, he's not wrong. <laughs> well, well, part of the problem is too is that 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 section of Germany became a part of Poland after the war. Uh, okay. uh, yeah. um, so, so after his escape, the U.S. Army uh, launched a manhunt that lasted until 1963. Um, the FBI issued wanted Late posters December? for Gartner. Sorry, what? I'm always going to do that. I'm sorry. Anytime mm-hmm. someone says 1963, I'm like, late December? <laughs> the, the FBI issued uh, wanted posters for him in 1947. Uh, according to his autobiography, uh, soon after escaping, he joined a ski expedition formed to rescue... Uh, uh, the city of San Francisco, which was a train stranded uh, that had been stranded in a blizzard in the Sierra Nevada um, in January 1952. Um, immediately after uh, taking part in this party, uh, Life magazine took his and the group's picture. So he was pictured with this like group of people who had come to like save this train that had gotten stranded in a in a blizzard. That's um, interesting. Um, so the FBI is putting up wanted posters for him in most post offices. Um, and um, for 40 years, Gartner is listed as one of the FBI's most wanted persons. Um, but eventually, uh, the authorities uh, come to the conclusion that his reason of escaping is to avoid uh, repatriation um, to like Soviet-occupied Germany, rather than any sort of like violent um, goal um, or, or to seek revenge for Germany's defeat. So he was no mm. longer designated as dangerous. Um, and so they, they just weren't looking for him as intensely. They were probably just like, fuck it. He's not here to cause people harm, just leave him alone, whatever. Um, eventually, in, um, in eventually another um, prisoner, uh, Kurt um, Ross Meisel, um, who had lived in Chicago for 14 years, is captured um, and surrendered, making Gartner the only remaining um, inmate who had not been captured. Um, he assumed that he assumed a new identity as Dennis F. Wiles uh, and lived quietly in California, Colorado, and Hawaii before coming forward in 1985. Um, he, Why did he come forward? Well, he had he had worked as a construction estimator and architectural consultant, um, and was, uh, and he was planning too to too good at it. Way too and good. He was way too efficient. 
Germanly efficient, if you must say. Um, <laughs> this this guy's, guy's notes are impeccable. Very suspicious. Are you sure you're not a kraut? <laughs> have, you, have you seen this? Have you seen this man march? Um, <laughs> seen it? Look at him. His goose stepping is His impeccable. Clothing, Hugo Boss. Um, so he had, he had been working at that, and that, um, and he had been mostly living a quiet life. Uh, but his wife became um, increasingly frightened by his refusal to discuss his past. And in 1984, um, after she was about to leave him, he confessed um, his past. Okay, to her. okay, I'm Nazi. Okay, <laughs> I did some terrible Don't things. Don't leave. I'll tell um, you. So, so, so at first, when Gardner goes public, uh, the government is like they don't know what to do um, because they don't know what to charge him with um, because. One, Gardner is not an illegal alien since he had been brought to the United States against his will by the United States government. Right. Um, second, he had not really escaped from prison since all German POWs were to be repatriated to their original homes, and Gardner was due to be sent back to his hometown in Silesia, which had become a part of Poland. And he's also not really a criminal. Um, and so, as he had, and also, too, like, uh, like mentioned, um, he escaped after the war had ended. So there was some question as whether or not he was still even a prisoner of war. Um, so because of this, he was not charged with any offenses. Um, the FBI announced that it, they had no further interest in him, and um, Immigration and Naturalization Services uh, confirmed that they had no interest in deporting him. Um, he was invited to become an American citizen, um, and after some delays, he eventually became one in November of, ni- of 2009. America is the land of opportunity so much so that even a Nazi be- can become a good, solid patriot. Well, he wasn't He wasn't a Nazi. He was just a soldier. A Nazi soldier? <sighs> well, yeah, he was a, a Nazi, Nazi soldier. soldier. Man. A Nazi soldier. But I don't, I, I States don't rights to do what, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> it's not like he moved to Alabama. <laughs> <laughs> he, moved, he moved to Ocoee, Florida, and he's like, yeah, these are my people. <laughs> I oh like it. Yeah, you have good ideas. Um, he would he would continue to live under his um, his adopted name Dennis Wiles. And he eventually wrote a book about his life, Hitler's Last Soldier in America. Oh, I think the name of the book was Wiling Out. I'm pretty sure. I think <laughs> the name of the book was If I Did It. <laughs> if I Did It by Dennis. If Wiles. I was a Nazi, <laughs> I like Wiling Out better. His 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 book Infinite Jest. <laughs> oh my god! I've been reading a lot about uh, Foster Wallace recently, so it's funny you should bring that up. Um, today, the site of um, Camp Apago Park is used as part of the Arizona National Guard Base. Um, the Arizona Military Museum, located on the base, features a display describing the camp and the story of the escape. Um, like I said, many of the other camps are no longer around, um, and that is just sort of this uh, vague sort of like thing that lives on um, in the consciousness of like uh, of America that's not really talked about. Gotcha. Do we have any confirmation of any of the Arizona Air National Guardsmen that have escaped from uh, the camp? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it was it was dollar shot night down at the. <laughs> oh yes, they definitely out of there immediately. Gone down at the Boogaloo Roundup. <laughs> oh my god, and that's that- not bad though. Like I didn't realize that we also took German POWs and threw them over here. I was always just under the impression that we just kind of took them and built camps over in Europe and kept him there. Yeah. And- yeah, there were there were some too like the like the British would also send them to um places in um in like Africa as well. 
Like uh-huh. there, like there were, um, <laughs> there were a bunch of Italians that they had captured in Ethiopia, and mm-hmm. they had sent them to a prison camp in Kenya, where the uh, mm-hmm. where the prisoners uh, eventually they they came up with a plan to escape and climb the nearby mountain, uh, which they did. Really? Yeah, they did, and then they came back. And the British were like, "We're not even like mad at you. Like we're, we're just going to give you a minor punishment. Like just we're just, just like the laugh at you. yeah, they're just like you're you're just going to get reduced rations no or whatever. Potatoes. And, like." Yeah, and the uh, and, and the commander apparently commended them on their like sporting effort. Thirty days, oh God, no potatoes, no applesauce, <laughs> no nothing. No they they didn't get no they didn't get uh. <laughs> he said he said no. These are Italians, so he's just like no no pasta, no fish, and they have no to pasta, yeah, no they have to hold no carbonara. If they real have to hold Italians, back. It's no fish. Yeah, no fish. They have to hold back the one guy who like flips out. You son of a bitch! <laughs> I'll kill you. <laughs> I kill you. <laughs> oh man! You know what I mean? It. He just gets upset. <laughs> Don't bother Oh god, that's wild. That's wild, man. I never knew all this. Yeah, I didn't know that either. I mean, I figured we had prisoners of war from Germany, but like, I I didn't think that. Well, first of all, I'm shocked at the the uh, the real German level of efficiency at getting them all back there. Seven, like <laughs> seven Costanza. Like I, I'm just not like expecting that to that number. I expect you to That's say it? like seventy five or something like that. There were there were like seventy five. We we couldn't figure out. You know, hundred seventy five hundred. Kept a couple of them here. You know, just in case we needed their math skills, that kind of thing. Well, they because I think it was also the fact too. Because remember they they caught two two of them afterwards, but it was just the fact that like, well, what happened to these guys? Like, because. Like the prisoners are obviously being treated well, and they're in the middle of nowhere, mm. so it's not like they can. It's not like they can hitchhike back to Germany, and it's not right. like it's not like American POWs. Like if you're an American POW, like you can escape and you can get you can get out. Like you can get to if you can get to Spain or Switzerland or or Sweden somehow, you can you can get to freedom. Right. Because because right. also like Europe's not as big as like America, so it's, so it's also a lot easier to to make that trek on foot. And like like I've like I've like uh, a relative of mine, her uh, her father was like a prisoner of war, and he did that. He like he and another guy, they like killed a guard, and like escaped the camp, and they were able to get to like freedom. Fucking sick, bro. I I have a relative of mine who's a bombardier. He got shot down over Germany doing like night raids, and they humped it back from Germany back to the English Channel, where they got picked up by some like just fishermen. Who like shuttle him across you the channel? You boys need a ride. I'm like, what? And he was like, it it was just a thing. You just you got shot down. And you just humped it back to base, and that was it. And he was like, what? <laughs> Start hitching. Yep. And with that, goodbye. Yeah. Good evening. Yeah, go <laughs> I gotta get back to Germany. Later. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get my pack ready to go. It's a long walk. 